Hello, hello, and welcome to Trashbox. I'm Emily Richardson, and this is Trashbox. That can't be how I usually say the intro, but too lazy to figure out what is regular. I am just dead today, and it is for the most annoying, spoiled, little privileged reason ever. I went to a cottage this past week with my family. My mom and dad rented a cottage in the Kawarthas, which is uh, the Kawartha Lakes, which is very nice smattering of lakes in on uh, in Ontario and th- I want to point out that these are nice lakes but they are not like Muskoka lakes which is where Harry Hamlin and Lisa Renna have their cottage along with Cindy Crawford and I don't think George Clooney I don't think George Clooney but a lot of ooh, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell that that's the whole Muskoka thing that's more north ooh, never eat shredded wheat I think more northwest or more north Anyway, Korthas are very nice. I don't know why, why am I fucking talking about Canadian lakes here? Oh, well, basically the plan was that I would go up to this cottage and record this week's episode of the podcast with my mother, who doesn't regularly watch The Real Housewives. And she's a kooky, fun lady. She's very funny. So I thought it would be a very entertaining thing to witness her fresh takes. So before we head up, I call up my mom and I say, Mom, will there be Wi-Fi there at the cottage? Um, it's pretty rustic, right? And she goes, yes, of course. And I get there and guess what? There's no Wi-Fi. She didn't check. She just guessed and she and she sold it as truth. And what's even more disgusting is that the people who own this cottage, which again is very rustic, you're not even allowed to flush toilet paper if you use it for pee. You can only flush toilet paper if it's a number two situation because they're on a septic tank. It's, it's like in the middle of, you know, the fucking nature or whatever, right? There's loons around. There's chipmunks. There's allegedly bears. Anyway, they have satellite TV. They have over 2,000 channels. Every channel under the sun. They have like 200 French ones, a bunch of a bunch of porn, um, HBO, all like the pay-per-view shit. And they don't have the Real Housewives channel. So alas, I could not record it with my mom. And here I am. Um, I got back to Toronto yesterday And even after that chill fucking vacation where I tried to relax, my body is just dead. I mean, I did the same thing I have been the last year and a half, which is lazed about, but I'm very tired. Maybe it's just from traveling to and from, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so today I woke up, I stretched, and then I smoked a joint, (laughs) and then I watched all three Real Housewives episodes that I missed, and it was really fun. I did them in this order. I did New York to get it out of the way, which is absolutely terrible thing to say, but it's true. Then I did Beverly Hills. Then I, the whole time I'm thinking about Potomac and finally Potomac, I ended on it. It was really fun. And I'm back to report my findings. Uh, We're gonna start with just a little bit of news out of our current timeline, not the one that we're currently watching on television, our real person timeline. And that is Dorit and PK have been, okay, honestly, I half read this headline. Dorit and PK owe a bunch of money, which is no surprise. Uh, something about multi-million dollar debts, and these are new, I think? I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> what a terrible podcast. <laughs> Look it up, okay, guys? <laughs> and then here's another half-ass headline I read today, and that is Jen Shaw was named the orchestrator in the scheme she's being charged for. Uh, no surprise there either. Oh God, I can't wait for that season. I really can't. And, and there is that weird story out of Salt Lake where Mary posted something on 
on Instagram about Heather Gay being racist. So that's yet another feud that we can look forward to on Salt Lake City. What was the first one? Oh yeah, Jen Shaw versus the feds. Okay, enough of uh, all this boring ass news. I need a reality edit on it before it captures my interest. Let's talk about the episodes I watched today. And we're gonna, you know what? Let's do it in order of how I watch them. So let's get NYC over with, which is again, something I never, ever thought I'd say. So blah, blah, blah. People are shitting on this season. Uh, but I I have not, not enjoyed the last couple of episodes. I mean, this one starts with a physical altercation and Sonia busting the glass on a fire extinguisher. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, so it's Bershawn versus Sonia. My thinking is, thank you, Bershawn. <laughs> thank you. I love Sonia. I love my Sonia. But... We needed some drama. This is what they signed up for. So stop acting all aghast and disgusted, ladies. Bershawn is bringing us life and conflict and, and screaming. And she does a really big thing the next day and apologizes. I love someone who displays um, shitty reality TV dr- dramatic behavior. And then the next day is very much like, yeah, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Moving on. But you know she's going to do it again. And that's why we have her on television. So I'm a really big fan of Brashawn so far. And I don't like the ladies being on their high horses about her. Um, They don't get to pick and choose bad behavior on reality TV. That's Andy Cohen's job and only Andy Cohen. Um, Yeah, Leah was being very on her high horse about it. Like leaving the restaurant. And, And you know, that's the kind of behavior I expect from Luann. And that's okay with Luann. She's a massive hypocrite. That's the Countess, right? Leah is... It's rough, you guys. I was such a big fucking fan. I had her picture as my little Reddit <laughs> avatar on Reddit. You know I love my Reddit. But um, unfortunately, I think the reality TV thing got to her. Last week, we had Nick from Real Housewives Out of Context on the show. And he said that he thought this was always Leah, but we were distracted by Dorinda. I could see where, I could see where he's coming from. And, I, and obviously, you know. You can't change overnight your personality. Obviously, this Leah was always here. But I think that she, it has gone to her head and she thinks she's the um, the queen of New York now because the fans loved her and she's acting accordingly. And and she's very being very judgmental. I'm sorry, you can't, and this goes for Lou too. You can't be that judgmental when you have struggled with alcohol in the past. You could be open and accepting and you could say, listen, I've been there. But this whole judgmental thing, which is judgmental, just because you open up your serious talk with, now this doesn't come from judgment, doesn't mean it isn't dripping with judgment. Anyway, you, I just feel, I didn't like the whole thing. I, I agree, probably Sonya does have some issues with alcohol. I don't think she's one of those people who needs to drink to get through the day, but clearly she has some blackout and binge drinking issues. I've been there. I get it. And the worst absolute thing that a a friend can do is talk to you the next day and be like, hey, sweetie, we're worried. Ugh, fuck off. Fuck right off. That just makes a hangover and, and the shame of the hangover about 20 million times worse. And again, if these women actually cared about Sonia's drinking, which, okay, maybe they do. But if their intentions were pure, they wouldn't do it at a bar. And actually, I don't know if any interventionists out there know. 
do you have an intervention or a serious talk with someone about their drinking while they're hungover? Or is that a no-no? Or do you want to like pounce on their hangover shame? I don't know. But clearly that wasn't going to work. She had a drink in her hands when they started. Like, fuck right off. Ugh. Okay, I'm getting myself all worked up. But let's keep moving because let's be real. We're all here for Beverly Hills and Potomac. Um, Interesting things about this episode. I did get a kick out of Leah inserting herself into the fight and going, my nose job, my nose job. <laughs> pretty, pretty stupid. <laughs> I got a kick. I got a kick. Um, Sonia saying that the reason she... <laughs> Sonia saying that the reason... She got so drunk the night before it was because the alcohol was cheap. It was cheap wine. And she starts that uh, explanation off with her classic, listen, I have a taste for luxury (laughs) after busting the fire extinguisher in the hotel. And Lou keeps being like, hey, I was arrested for less. Okay, yeah, she was arrested for less, but I'm thinking the felony she was charged for was because she assaulted a cop, right? Or attempted to assault a cop. That's the part that Lou leaves out. Oh, God, I love, I love Lou. Some people are saying online that um, she doesn't have a plot and she's boring this season and she's going to get kicked off. But you know what? One bad season does not mean you kick the Countess off the show. Ramona's a whole other story, right? But there were some Ramona moments I liked in this episode. Like when Sonia snapped at her at that lunch and Ramona was like, She's snapping at me like a turtle and it's not turtle time. <laughs> no, there is a time and a place, Sonia. I wonder if um, Ramona wrote that line herself or if she got somebody to write that for her. Definitely not Avery. Avery doesn't strike me as a creative person. She probably hired some gay intern. Probably got one of Sonia's to do it for her. And then there was the part where she goes up to Sonia to um, take her over to get intervened by Luann and Leah. And she's like, Tries to distract her with, oh my God, your hair is stunning. And and nobody buys it, but they all just go along with it because it's Ramona. That's the issue with Ramona. She acts like a child, so sometimes I giggle at her. And and she does have comedic moments. That being said, she's a racist. She might be a COVID denier. She voted for Trump. Get, you know, get rid of her. But I appreciate her comedy when she's funny. Even when she was immediately fake crying at that seance when there was a bang. Oh my God. So dumb. But it, it, it is watchable. She is endlessly watchable. Doesn't mean she should be here next season, but you know. So let's get to the seance. Um, <laughs> there were two psychics there, a lady and a man. And the man wasn't so great. He was the one who <laughs> told Lou that she has an uncle figure who was coming through. An uncle figure. An uncle or an uncle figure. That could just be your dad's friend. Does your father have any friends who are dead? Yes. All of our dads have friends who are dead. It is the vaguest psychic bullshit. And maybe I'm being a little touchy about this because I recently went to a psychic and she told me that I wouldn't be successful until I was in my 40s. And I'm a little sore about that because if that's true, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, why am I doing this podcast? I mean, why am I doing this podcast? That's a great question. Like, I'm not getting paid for it. As you can hear, there are no advertisements here. What's happening with any of this? Nada. Anyway, Lou didn't know what the hell the psychic was telling her about the uncle figure. Uncle figure. Oh my God, it's so vague. Um, But the woman seems to be good and or she is one of us and she's read up on all of the housewives online. It's revealed that Sonia's dad is an alcoholic, which makes a lot of sense. 
Then she's tapping into the recently deceased grandmothers on Leah and Ebony's side. But I'm sure that, again, just takes a an Instagram search. I'm sure one of them at least posted about it. And, oh yeah, Ramona's brother. Ramona's brother died. Again, could be a Google. Sorry for my skepticism. Usually I'm a little more teen psychic, but I'm just not feeling it after that particular psychic visit I had. The psychic was very good. She was right about some things. But it disturbs me that I'm not going to become successful until my 40s. I'm 32. It's a long time. I want to have kids soon. How am I going to get any money? If anybody out there has any kind of power and needs a comedy writer, a television writer, whatever, please help me and prove the psychic wrong. Prove the prophecy wrong. Okay, that's New York. Not much to say about it. Let's move on to Beverly Hills. So before we get into this week's episode, last week we were having a discussion about the Sutton versus Crystal thing. So we were basically talking about how we thought that Crystal should give an inch to Sutton. When Sutton was crying about, you know, the, the whole violated word and their feud and all this stuff, Crystal wasn't being particularly kind or overly accommodating. And we were talking about that. So read that conversation. I got a message from Taria from the What Else Is Going On podcast. And it was very enlightening and helpful. So she writes, I would like to offer one alternate opinion. I get that Sutton is going through things. I think that people are forgetting that Crystal and Sutton's initial interaction was Sutton shutting down a woman of color's voice and then centering herself. A white woman and her tears. This is very true. As a black woman, Taria writes, I have dealt with that so much in my life that I can't even count. Sutton literally shut down her voice and the person who invited her, Crystal, into the conversation, Kyle, never once spoke up or said a word. I don't know if the viewing audience realizes when they are saying that they want Crystal to give an inch because Sutton is going through something, we're doing the same thing that Sutton did. We're telling Crystal to pull back her voice and her feelings and cut Sutton slack. They're now centering Sutton. Centering Sutton. Very interesting. It's true. Now Sutton has made herself the victim. Wow. Taria writes, when they are telling Crystal the word violation was used incorrectly, when in fact her privacy was violated, they're now telling that woman of color she needs to pull back on her feelings to make sure this white woman is okay. And Taria writes that this happens to women of color every day. And even though it's not overt racism, it's a microaggression and it's white fragility and... It's bullshit. So thank you so much for writing in, Taria. I really appreciate it. You can check out Taria's What Else Is Going On podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I've listened to some of the episodes. And Taria's really fun. And basically she's talking about how she loves the game of Bravo, but she does not love some of the players who cannot see that Black Lives Matter. So be sure to check that out. And thanks again for calling me out on that, Taria. I really appreciate that. Uh, Please, if you are listening and you're like, hmm, Emily as a white woman, is not really getting something here that she should be, please write in. Let me know. Um, There are blinders that I am trying to take off by listening and learning. I'm white. I've never been the target of microaggressions. I've never had to look for them before. And that has, that is and has been my privilege. Okay, so let's move on to this week's episode. So we are going to the desert to Kyle Richards' house. Now, am I not, am I mistaken? Is this the house that she stole from Kim? If so, what a steal. It is gorgeous. I wonder how much that house would be worth. How much is Kyle worth? You know what? I'm going to look it up right now. Kyle, Mauricio net worth. $100 million. 
That's a lot of money. And it's money that Erica and Tom could use in their legal defense. What the fuck was going on with that story about the car? What was happening about the story with that car? The internet is going crazy about Erica's tale about Tom getting in a car accident behind her house on a cliff. And then these, God bless Bravo fans, Bravo sleuths are like trying to look for this cliff on Google Maps and it doesn't really exist. There's a hill, but it goes onto a highway. How could Tom be down there for 12 hours in a coma? Was he passed out? <sighs> this is not, it doesn't, hmm, it, it, hmm. if it's true, there's a lot of exaggerating going on. And it's a lot, again, of Erica playing the victim. And we see in the mid-season trailer for what's to come on the rest of the season that Sutton is calling her out on some shit. And Erica's doing that low, talking, threatening, don't you ever talk about my son kind of bullshit. You don't know how I sleep at night. I, I don't I don't know how much I buy. I don't think I buy anything based on the fact that she so easily lied before about her relationship with Tom to cover shit up. I don't think that suddenly she's being like totally honest. Listen, I think she definitely was in the dark about some things, but I don't know, man. Listen, I know we've talked a lot about, well, wow, they're being super supportive of her, but they were really not supportive of Denise Richards. The difference here is that they like Erica. They didn't like Denise and they weren't, because they were in a feud with Denise before any of that shit went down. And I think they're scared of Erica to a degree. And I don't think that these women have the luxury of knowing how fans will react. They probably thought that Erica Jane, the pretty mess, was going to be like this phoenix rising from the ashes and all of the fans who watched Bravo were going to be like, yes, go for it, Erica. Fuck Tom Girardi. He was scum. But clearly that is not what happened. And you can kind of see their wheels turning on the episode that aired the other night because they're getting a little suspicious and they're doing like the uh, the Pikachu meme face of what? And oh my God. And then we have Dorit. We have Dorit, the scam expert going like being like, okay, here is exactly how scamming works. You can get dragged into your husband's lawsuit, even if it was before you knew him. God, I love Dorit. Again, scamming from creditors and scamming from big companies. I don't give a shit. Scam them all the live long day. Just don't do it from orphans and widows. That's the difference. This is the difference between loving Dorit and hating Erica. The scammies. Who are the scammies? Now, looks so it looks like Sutton's going to ask some questions in the future. So good for her. Would I have the guts to do that? I mean, it's very easy to judge these women and be like, uh, call her out for all of this. It would be hard in the moment, especially if, you, if she's your friend. And this is coming from a girl who used to really like Erica Jane. Like when I first started watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which were like the peak Erica years, like her first her first Pantygate year, I actually sent her a really embarrassing fan message that was like, Dear Erica, me and my friends all just love you and we love your music. And she wrote back, Thanks, babe, with a heart. And I was like, God, Erica is so great. She's so stylish. She's so beautiful. I'll never turn on her. But unfortunately, I'm fickle and a liar. Okay, let's get into the lighter parts of the episode. We got a lot of Kathy Hilton sniffing that giant candle. She's She loves her white noise fan, which again, I am a huge white noise fan. Oh, that's funny. I'm a fan of white noise. 
I'm a white noise fan and I need a white noise fan. Is that funny? In, in my head right now, sitting here alone, this is the issue. This is the issue with doing these solo podcasts. They're actually way harder than they might sound. I, I say these things and I'm like, Emily, that is fucking gold. Say it out loud. And there's no one to laugh or give me any validation that it is funny. White noise fan though. It is It is interesting to read talking about how anybody else who would boss you around and make you carry their luggage up the stairs would be annoying. But with Kathy, it's Kathy. Also, did Kathy recommend Robert Shapiro to Eric Jane? Robert Shapiro is the guy that John Travolta played in the Ryan Murphy O.J. Simpson series, the one with the eyebrows. That is just the most 90s L.A. Kardashian-Jenner bullshit I've ever heard. And God bless her for that. Um, would you put onions in lasagna? I don't think so. I don't think it's an onion thing. But I, I trust Kyle. I trust Kyle. Damn, Kyle is just so much more likable with Kathy around. Wouldn't it be great if Kim came back? They have a little flashback of Kim at one point, and we need more of that. Lisa Rinna. What can be said about Lisa Rinna? She does the cheerleading thing. The cheerleading thing and the food things are really grinding my gears this season. Everything is, wow, great, wow. And it's not about being positive. It's about, look at me. I know these tactics. I work as an actress. I know, okay? I know. It's actress bullshit. I know a lot of Lisa Rinna's in this world. And they're all hot. And I bet as they get older, it is not easy. They lose some of that attention because, you know, as one gets older, especially women, you get become invisible, right? Stupid, but it's true. And Lisa Rinna is, <laughs> she will not let that happen. It's going to be cheerleading all the time. And the food stuff. Oh, I love food. I love this. Yum. Can I have another one? Is she eating? I don't know. Is it any of my business? No. Am I still going to comment on it problematically? You betcha. Um, we learn a lot more about Sutton this episode. They do a flashback to a conversation with her mother that I guess would have aired last season had she been a full-time cast member and not demoted last minute to friend of. <laughs> it is quite strange because this is pre-Christmas. She sits down with Erica once Erica comes in. And she goes, you know what? This Christmas will be rough. My father once shot himself in the head right before Christmas. So that is a, uh, <laughs> that ground the conversation to a halt. And oh my God, if they show that, pardon me, Erica, flashback of Tom being a dick one more time. They are using it every episode because it is their only proof that Tom could be a dick because he was always so amiable on camera. He's not stupid. He's a lawyer. He's not going to let the cameras catch him stealing from the wallets of orphans and widows. He's not dumb, but he might have Alzheimer's. That's the word on the street right now. That's the party line. And Erica's saying she referenced it in the episode before. Mm, kind of she did. She said that he was stubborn about his eyesight and his hearing, which is completely regular when you get older. I know my grandmother can't hear anything and she won't admit it to anybody. So we're all just screaming around her. Is he senile? I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I would also not be surprised if he was lying because he wants to get off. I, I also don't think his alleged senility, senility, senility has anything to do with why he started stealing from these clients. He's trash. She's also trash. Ugh. But I'm very much looking forward to the rest of this season. It is eons ahead of what last year was but even a great season of beverly hills cannot compare to potomac so let's talk potomac this is only episode two 
which means we have a full season ahead. Oh, these hilarious, beautiful, amazing, spectacular, inspiring, hilarious. Did I say hilarious? Did I say ridiculous? They're ridiculous. I love these women so, so much. There's not a dud in the bunch. And I'm also very intrigued with Mia. There seems to be a level of delusion that I always am here for. And I like her so far, but put a pin in it. I'm, like I said before, I'm very fickle. We are fickle as a people, I do believe. And we'll see how she pans out by the end of the season. But I trust, I trust the Potomac producers and editors to cast a gem. Like who was the last person who didn't? I mean, we haven't really lost a lot of people in this franchise, have we? I mean, we had... Katie, who we get a reference to to this episode. Ray liked her. I do love Katie. I love Katie. She's always so mean to her. I love Katie. She's a straight shooter and she's been through a lot and she is very pretty. I will give it to her. I'll, uh, Ray, I agree. She's a sexy lady. Other past Potomacers include Monique, obviously, Fresh Out, who I love. I love Monique. She's great. <laughs> um, like I said, I'm rewatching this series and I forgot all about Monique's rapping and stuff and her mother-in-law calling her a heifer. Oh my God. Um, and then of course there was Sharice Jackson Jordan, who I really enjoyed because she kept it real. And eventually she laid bare her marriage issues and that whole basketball wife thing is really interesting. Same with Robin, these professional athletes. Giselle has a point telling her daughters, don't go for professional athletes. They are womanizers. Um, R.I.P. Sharice. She's still alive, just not on the show. I really enjoyed her vulnerability and her taking on Karen. But let's get back to our current housewives. So if you are a regular listener of this show, you know I have an extreme soft spot for Ashley Darby. Listen, Michael is trash. Anytime she defends him, she's usually wrong. I feel badly for her a lot of the time. But I love Ashley. I love her being a shit stirrer. I, I think she's gorgeous. I think she's fun. She's full of life. She makes me laugh. And something beautiful happened this episode. So Ashley is almost nine months pregnant now, about to burst. Uh, funnily enough, she gives birth to her second baby on my birthday. So I kind of feel like a little bit of Ashley's family now. Um, and she's on the phone with this woman while Karen watches and cringes and gives us all the facial expressions that could be a gif or a meme. And this woman is telling her how she could eat her own placenta. And Ashley wraps up the conversation and she thanks the woman on the phone and get this. The woman's name is my name. So now we have this sound clip. Drum roll, please. Thank you, Emily. So what am I going to do with that sound clip? I don't know, but it's at the ready when I need it. Um, let's start off with what happens this episode. We are immediately continuing after Karen's Sing Sing comment. Hotbox Sing Sing? Is that like a TikTok thing? Who said that? I don't know. I didn't write it down. But they're all asking, what the fuck is Sing Sing? And Karen really doesn't know. On Watch What Happens Live, she told Andy that she thought it was a psychiatric hospital, which is a little disturbing that she has now, <laughs> in the pilot episode accused Giselle of having an STI and I guess being mentally ill and of course a broken whore from Hampton University. Later in this episode she admits she doesn't really know what Sing Sing meant. She just thought it sounded good. She is a wizard of words, a wizardess of words, a witch of words. You know how Sonia's always on New York, Sonia's always like, I'm an artist, I'm an artist. And people are like, what is your art? 
Well, it's words. It's I would even go as far to say as it is comedy. I'm a professional comedian. I can say that most people I know are not as funny as Karen or Sonia. Whereas Sonia is more like floozy, kind of faux ditzy slash real ditzy. Karen is more, her, her talents lie more in the shady reading arena. She could take down any of those RuPaul's Drag Race Drag Queens, let me tell you. But back to the dinner at Wendy's, which is still going on. Um, I need all of Ashley's reactions. Her expressions are hilarious. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome, Ashley. Anytime. <laughs> there you go. I used it. Um, I'm also really down. I know I said this last week briefly. I am down with Mia turning to Giselle and being like, you have a beautiful heart. <laughs> I just think it's funny and it's pure. And I don't think she meant anything by it. And I got a kick out of her backtracking over it later. Then Karen comes up with the reason she is so bitchy to Giselle is because Giselle said she wished Ray was dead. Not really. I just rewatched that season two episode where they're at the bowling alley and Ray very sexistly, might I add, says to Giselle, listen, you're not going to stay beautiful forever. You need a man. Ridiculous, even though I love my Ray. And Giselle in a confessional says, listen, I... My beauty will not fade until long after you are in the grave. That is not the same as wishing he was dead, Karen. But I still love her ridiculous logic. And I also love my children were young and they were hurting. They weren't that young. And then the editors <laughs> flash back to Raven being 19 and Karen's son being 27. Yeah, they're not that young. Also, then Karen's shooting random bullets at, at Robin saying, I, I'm having a real wedding. I'm, I'm in a real relationship. I, I'm just dead. I'm dead. Like, why? Robin caught in the crossfire. <laughs> Poor Robin. <laughs> um, eventually, Wendy admits she got her ass done. And then Mia gets all their numbers at the end of the dinner. Because guess what? She is a new cast member on the reality show. That's why she's getting the numbers. This will come up later in her weird fight with Wendy. But put one pin in that for now. Uh, so we get to know Mia a little bit. She, I really like her daughter, Juju, who runs the world. Bad guys. <laughs> it's true. Um, Gordon is the husband. He's older. Mm, don't have much to say about him right now. But Juju is a little badass. She's great. Uh, we got a lot of fun daughter moments this week. And we'll get to Giselle's daughters in a minute. Uh, Juju was crying about no sprinkles on her ice cream. Fair. We get some Candace stuff. She's shooting a pilot. What is Candace's career? It's music. It's this show. It's acting now. But she worked for Obama. Did she have anything to do with White Chris's restaurant? Because now he's not doing the restaurant thing. Is it all Dorothy's money? It's seems like it's all Dorothy's money and it's featuring her housewives earnings because you know she uh, who knows maybe Candace is the next Meryl Streep but me thinks she is probably not then we get some Ashley stuff oh my god god gave me more than one hole so she's dealing with this fucking Michael Darby shit she's pregnant again so I guess she's scared he might cheat if she doesn't sexually satisfy him so they're trying out other holes and she says he's being a great sport. Fuck you, Michael. Ashley is brainwashed and I feel really, really badly for her. But hey, at least she has that Australian demon's money. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome.
welcome, Ash. So there's a lot more at-home stuff. We get uh, some Giselle at home, and that that house is ridiculous. So we have the West Wing, which looks like, honestly, if I was playing The Sims, me just adding a random addition onto the house, and I'm too lazy to go back and build the rest of the house to match. It is rough. And, and Robin tells the truth. And usually Robin has Giselle's back no matter what, or she stays silent. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. That's kind of the Robin-Giselle relationship there. But even Robin has to admit it is a rough exterior. The inside look good. You know, everybody gives Giselle a hard time for having no style. But except for that one kind of garish purple wall that we already knew about from last season, it looks good. Good for her. Also, good for Giselle's daughters. I love them, especially Grace Bryant. Serving those faces in her confessional with her mother. Rolling her eyes to the back of her head. Slurping on her water. Just great. Um, chip off the old block. Because here's the thing. Even though I'm usually Karen's side on everything just because she's so entertaining, I also love Giselle. Do I agree with Giselle bringing a bodyguard to the reunion last year because of Monique's husband, Chris? No. Do I appreciate it for its entertainment value? Yes. And I can say that about every single one of these women on Potomac. Again, there's not a dot of the bunch. Everyone's really entertaining. I'm rooting for everybody. I don't want Giselle to be in a terrible, maybe fake relationship with her cheating ex-husband. No, I'm rooting for Giselle. I'm rooting for all of them. I really love all of them. And they've all come to play this season. So let's get to the big part of the episode, which is uh, Karen's love party, which is so dumb. She's such a hypocrite. Just going after all of these women and then saying to Ray, well, I am done with all this drama and negativity. Come for a love party. And then when they get there, it turns out to be a very clear couples party. They even have the newlywed game ready, which mean if Giselle had come, she wouldn't have had a partner for it. <laughs> <sighs> Stop the hate. Oh my God. <laughs> a broken whore from Hampton University. So the love party. Most of these men are bald except for lovely Eddie. And while the men talk about how many deers Ray has seen. How many deer? Deers? What's the plural on that? Meanwhile, the women are getting into it in the living room. Um, we get to know Mia a little bit. Uh, she's talking about her busted ass bean. I do not like it when people call people out for too much information generally. I mean, obviously there is such a thing as too much information, but the whole TMI thing I think is used too liberally. Like when we first met Candace, she told us that her husband's penis was purple. And now everyone's like, oh, God forbid me to talk about getting clit surgery when it was the topic of the day at Wendy's plastic surgery party. I give Mia a break here. Totally. Um, then there's some Mia versus Wendy. And this is all Wendy's fault, I think. Wendy has come to play and I don't mind it. She is not as good an actress as she thinks, though. She keeps dropping these little bombs and then having this little innocent expression on her face that no one is buying. But I still appreciate her hustle. She is coming for Mia right out the gate, calling her out for not having Karen's back. Like, who cares? This has nothing to do with you, Wendy. And then when they have like the finger in their face situation, which, God, if I have learned one thing from these housewife shows is never put your finger in another woman's face. No, you're, you're just asking for trouble if you do that. 
And actually, that's what Bershawn said on this week's New York. Um, yeah, Wendy Wendy uh, is dishing out to Mia, but can't seem to take it because when Mia strikes back, she's like, wow, that was rude. Uh, so that is the feud on deck. So our big feud right now is Karen versus Giselle, which is evergreen, always going to be there. And then there's kind of like uh, the running Karen versus Candace thing. Because there's still the Monique of it all going on. But we'll put a pin in that for future episodes. And then there, the feud on deck is, of course, Wendy versus Mia. We get to do something really fun this episode and play the newlywed game. I love the newlywed game. I really love it. Uh, these are the names of the teams. House of Hugers. <laughs> Ebo Pride. Uh, that is um, Wendy and Eddie. Oh, Eddie. He's so cute. I love Eddie. I really hope he's not a cheater. I really hope he's not a cheater. Um, Thorny Thorntons. And the best one is Candace and Chris's We Came From Jesus. <laughs> Here's things we learned in the newlywed game. Mia and her husband love missionary. Okay. If it ain't broke. They've also had sex in a Waffle House bathroom. Um, Ray and Karen made Raven while having sex on the kitchen counter. And then eventually they finished on the floor. Ray loves Katie. She's a beautiful woman, as, as previously discussed. Finally, Mia and her husband, whose name I'm blanking on, but I refuse to check my notes. They met at a strip club where she was a bartender. Or was she a stripper? We don't know. Do I care? Not really. It's fun either way. I really like Mia so far. So that was the episode. And as always, it was a lot of fun. I don't think Potomac actually has the capacity to put out a stinker episode at this point. Hopefully I haven't jinxed that by saying that out loud. And I don't know the exact analogy people use, but the chess pieces are in play or they are, they are positioned in such a way that we are in for a really great season. Just like last season. Last season, oh my God, you guys, when, when did it air? It was like in the fall and it was pre or during Salt Lake City. That was such a bright spot in such a dark year. And again, Potomac is showing us that pandemic or not, they are the best Housewives franchise. Like I thought that Jersey was kind of meh this season. It started out strong, kind of went nowhere. Obviously Dallas was horrid, didn't even watch OC. New York is struggling. Beverly Hills is having a moment, but Potomac is showing us how a pandemic season is done. And that is <laughs> largely ignoring the pandemic. Uh, wake up, sheeple. It's the best show on television. Well, that is our show. Next week, we have a very special guest, my friend, Amanda Pereira. She is a comedian, an actress, a podcaster, and overall a really lovely person. If you want to check out Amanda's stuff ahead of time, you can check out the Liquid Courage podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The podcast's thing is that Amanda drinks alcohol, so she has the liquid courage to talk to people she admires, specifically women. She's also a massive Housewives fan and literally every week she messages me <laughs> about her opinion. So I'm really excited to have her on the program. So thank you for listening this week. Thank you, Emily. Oh, no, no, thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Emily. No, thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Emily. No, thank you, Ashley. Jesus fucking Christ, just take the thank you. Um, bye bye